Hello and welcome to our very first episode of What We Couldn't Say on Sunday. This is for you, the members at All People's Church. I'm Ross, and I'm here with Sam. Now, Sam, you came up for the idea of this podcast, and you came up with the name. Would you please just share with our people what was behind your thinking? Yeah, so for the longest time, I've really wrestled during the whole sermon prep process because so much of what we prep is cut. Because the sermon is not a commentary of the Bible. Um, there's a reason why we don't just email our people or write a little book every week and give to our people. This is what verse this says. This is what verse 3 says. This is what this says. This is what this says. Um, we are trying to discern what the main text, main past points of the passage is yeah. and how that relates to our specific people in this specific time living in this specific age. And so it's very personal. And, and so with that, we have to cut a lot of different things and things that are in the text that, that our members and that all of us should be interested in. But yeah. we can't emphasize everything. If we emphasize everything, we end up forgetting it all. And so we have to make judgment calls on what we have to leave out. Some things we have to say briefly, um, but we would love to nuance it more. And um, also, this is just another opportunity for us to train our people, give them more teaching, answer questions. And so we preach on Sundays, you know, Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, we're able to hear feedback of places where maybe we weren't very clear or things that we need to reaffirm or clarify, maybe areas that we just um, missed it and we want another chance. And so this is just a way to serve our people and we're not going to put a lot of time into it. So you're not going to see a high production quality, but what it's just going to be is it a, a chance for us, whoever preached to be able to be interviewed by whoever's hosting. So Ross, you're hosting today. And then in the future, when you're preaching, I'll be hosting. And just ask questions that would help unpack different parts of the text and go into deeper into maybe doctrines that wouldn't be as appropriate on Sunday. And so, I mean, these episodes, they're, they're not going to be cut and edited. We're just gonna kind of go and talk. And I'm not gonna put a lot of prep into the, the background. I already did the prep in the prepping of the sermon. And I'm just gonna put a little thought and try to share some things that, share some things that would be helpful even with time length, I don't know. I mean, some of them can be really short, some of them can be long, and we may not do it every week. If, if we have time, we'll do that. But as you guys all know, the mission of our church is, is to follow Jesus in everyday life, and we're doing it together. And so in doing that, you know, priority comes with our people in our community. But we're going to try to try to make this a priority also, provided it's helpful. So we'll, we'll do this experiment for a couple weeks. We're not trying to make it apl applicable to all other people. It's gonna be available um, for anyone on the web, but we're not gonna try to cater to other people. This is just for our people. And if other people wanna be blessed with it, it's helpful, then great. So great. that's that's the heart behind it. Great, and as pastors, do we welcome feedback, even criticism and questions on our sermons? Yeah, please, please, please. I mean, one of the things in our pastoral covenant is that we talk about we're under the authority of the word. And if we ever deviate from that, it is your job as members to hold us to that word. We're under the word. We're not the chief shepherd Jesus is. We are under shepherds. And so we're under the same authority as every member. And we are poorly served if you hold back, if you have mm. questions or if you if there's things that we're missing because you're afraid we may reject it or, or, or anything. For any reason why you would hold back, Please serve us, serve a church, our church as well by pressing in and asking questions or even, you know, um, taking us to the text if we're missing something because we, we certainly will. Um, yeah. And just from my end, I just think this is going to be so much more fun and interesting in the future. 
if we have real questions and real people that we're responding to when we do this. That's right. Yeah. So, so just in all transparency, we have got zero questions this week. So either that means that it was just so perfect. My message is so perfect and no one had any questions, just, which is possible in, in another world maybe, but, um, or just people just aren't used to it. Um, so this is something we'll just practice and, and over time it'll be more helpful. So I, I do know I've had conversations with people that it there are parts of the message that could have been clear just by talking with them, but they were like, hey, Sam, this wasn't very helpful. Yep. So, I mean, some of those things I'm going to emphasize. Great. Well, without further ado, let's get into it. Um, Sam, since this podcast is called What You Couldn't See on Sunday, what what is the biggest thing you wish you could have gotten to but just didn't? Yeah, so as, as those of you guys were there, the main point of the sermon was that... Um, the Holy Spirit is our guarantee that we get God and He gets us. So I wouldn't take any away from, anything away from that. I just wish I heralded it more. I, I wish I relished in that reality more that He is our guarantee, that the Holy Spirit is the one we take confidence in. And I think I mentioned it, but I just want to loop back on that. Is It's just challenging us. Is how much are we putting our confidence in our own performance mm. to keep us or our trick or our track record or our pedigree or our bible studies or our church but the fact that the holy spirit is the one who is saying hey i got this trust in me and so many people who struggle with their assurance of their salvation it's so often because they're looking at themselves mm. and when they look at themselves they obviously see a fickle inconsistent unfaithful person like myself but rather looking at the one who is the perfect record, perfect task, um, what am I trying to say? Perfect um, performance Performance record, um, track, track record. record? Yeah, they, they, he's never lost. Mm. And whoever he says he will have, he will have. Whoever he says he will complete, and Philippians 1 talks about he will complete the good work he started. And I wish I just pressed on that more. He will do it, guys. He has committed himself and he will finish what he started. Um, so that's something that I wish I really pushed on. Another thing I, 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 I wish I pushed on is this idea of inheritance. Hmm. Um, so we are going to receive our ultimate inheritance, which is God, and God will receive his inheritance, and that's us. And hopefully I showed that in the text in First Peter and also in First uh, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse, I think, 18, uh, talks about his glorious inheritance and his saint. Like, so, so we are his inheritance, and then the text also shows that ultimately God will be, will receive new creation, and the new creations is ultimately about God. It's centered around God according to the revelation. Um, but what I wish I emphasized is, what do you have to do to receive an inheritance? Hmm. Have you ever talked to someone who's, you know, who received a great inheritance from their family member dying? And how inappropriate and strange would it be to say, hey, how can I do that too? How can I get that money? How can I, how did you earn it? Sure. What do they say? You can't. You can't. You have to be part of the family. Hmm. It comes with being part of the family. And the fact is that we receive this inheritance because we have been born again. We have been brought into the blood. You have to be blood to receive or you have to be adopted yes. and treated as if you're blood. And we have been brought in with blood. Not ours, but the blood of Christ. Yes. And now we're treated as if we're adopted, which goes back to the previous passage that we have been God delighted to predestine us for adoption. And so now we are adopted and we're treated as if we are co-heirs with Christ. 
um, we are given the privileges as if we were born by blood. So, so when we think about inheritance and confidence that we're going to be saved, instead of thinking about our works, just think about merely like you can't lose it because you didn't earn it. Right. How do you lose what you don't, didn't earn? And the fact that you only receive it because you are part of the family. He keeps his kids. It's, I think about this like I'm never going to let my son go. Hmm. He's always going to be a choy, even if he forsakes me. You know, and obviously the illustration breaks down because he, he could eventually just walk away and, and change his name and stuff like that. And I believe that the Christian, their heart would be changed so that they wouldn't do that for the long term. And we can talk about that in a minute. But yeah. I just think the fact that, like, he's my son. So he's Elijah's my son, so he's always going to be my son. And so just like me, I've been born again into a new family, and so I'm his forever. Amen. And so I just I wish I really hit that hard. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I definitely want to get into perseverance, but I just want to jump in and say something quick. Yeah, please. Um, so you talked about the Holy Spirit being the down payment of our inheritance in your message, and I love that. It's biblical imagery. Um, but I don't know if it's a cultural thing or or what, but I just sometimes I don't feel like the language of down payment hmm. really captures how momentous it is that we have the Holy Spirit. Sure. Like a down payment sounds like, oh, this is just a small little fraction of what you get. Mm. And then you're getting the real thing afterwards. Mm. But but think about what that down payment is. That's like if, if I was going to give you a down payment for something, you said, well, what, what's your down payment going to be? What are you going to give me? Mm. And I said, I'm going to give you God yeah, yeah, as right. my down payment. That's right. Like that's like bigger than anything else I could give you. Like the down payment is yeah. like already the biggest part of the reward. We're already that's like, good. it's huge. That's good. And um, so... <laughs> Like, yeah, how, am, am I going to get right. happiness for, well, you already have God. That's right. Of course you will. Right, like, right. how can you, how can you aim any higher than that? Mm, mm. And so, um, Amen. so that, that's just, and, and maybe down payment is something, is something bigger in, in, in Old Testament. I mean, in Bible times, but, um, I feel almost like that metaphor underplays the significance of the Holy Spirit. Well, I, I here's one passage that I cut from the sermon. Romans 8.32. Okay. So this is a famous passage for many. Um, but he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Wow. So Jesus is the down payment. And God's saying, hey, if I gave you my son, I can't give you anything better than that. Hmm. And in the same way, he's given us the spirit, right? And so Jesus is the down payment that we will get all the promises one day. Yeah. And the Holy Spirit is the down payment that we will... Um, no, 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 sorry. That Jesus is the down payment that uh, those promises are for us. And the Holy Spirit is the down payment that we will get them. Hmm. That they're actually going to be actualized. That we will actually inherit them. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So, the, so I said this in the sermon. Jesus, Jesus frees us, but the Holy Spirit keeps us. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's a great way to elevate this idea of just giving money or something. It's giving a person. That's mm. not my down. That's my collateral. So I'm giving you my son. Yeah. And then I'm giving you my spirit to make sure that you're going to actually get right. Get the inheritance, namely me, and then I'm going to get my inheritance, namely you. Right. Like there's literally nothing more God could have given us as a down payment. Like that's there's right. not something more valuable that he could have given us that's right. that he didn't. This is the maximum down payment possible. Right. And so in, in, in the same way that people, we Christians can often doubt God's goodness. Say, man, if God really loved me, wouldn't he give me this thing or this relationship or this career or this 
whatever it is, mm. we, we point to the son. Say, if he gave you Jesus, what more can he give you? Right. What more can... Are you, are you saying that Jesus is not enough and yet if you just had that job, you'd be happy? No, 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 no. Like, if he gave you his son, he's saying that I'm going to give you everything. And ultimately, we're not just inheriting a relationship, we're inheriting all of creation. So there's a materialistic reality. Like, we want to push against materialism, especially in our culture. But the fact is, we're going to inherit all things. Right. Physically, we're going to inherit the entire universe. But it ultimately is centered around the sun. So in the same way, we point to Jesus as his as the confidence that God is for you and he's good. And if he gave you Jesus, he'll give you everything else. Same thing, we point to the spirit and say, if he gave you the spirit, you can have confidence that he'll keep you. Because mm. what can he give you more? Right. Like It's like, I'm going to make sure that you get to the end of this journey. And I'm going to give you myself as the guide yeah. <laughs> to hold your hand. And obviously that illustration breaks down. It's more, I'm sealing you. I'm filling you. I mean, it's all conclusive. It's not just like, hey, he's going to be like this ghost that appears every once in a while and say, oh, take a left here or take a right. He's not like evangelist in Pilgrim's Progress where he just appears here and there to help you. No, he's actually going to be in you. <laughs> so, I mean, he, he the, the destination is God. And then to get there, the way to get there is God. He's going to carry you. Right, right. Amazing. And, and the thought that just pops into my mind is, if that's the case, how, how much should our prayer lives be less about other things and more about can I have more of the Holy Spirit? Mm, amen. Like, that's even a promise in the Bible if, if a good good father, if, right. if even evil fathers know how to give their children good gifts, how much more will the Father mm, give the Holy Spirit to those good. who ask him? And I just want my own life to, to reflect that. Just so one, one line that I just thought about with uh, carrying us to God and how much we need the Spirit is the beginning of this passage talks about we've been predestined. So like from the beginning of time, God... God was, and he set us apart, and then Jesus provides the way, uh, and then Holy Spirit, like, carries us along the way. Yeah. And then ultimately, the end of the bridge is God again. Hmm. So it starts from him, ends with him, it's all about him. And um, That's right. Beautiful picture of the Trinity. Amen, yes. Yes. That's That's something I didn't emphasize much, but didn't want to get lost into the details of the Trinity, but to show that every part every person in the trinity plays a distinct role that is still connected to the rest still one with the rest and yet so unique and and needed yeah and i'd say that's even something that i i preached a passage in this first section Mm -hmm. and i didn't get to the fact that my section was about the son your section is about the father and we really see father son and spirit cooperating with each other that's what verses one three through fourteen is how the Trinity works together to get his people into his presence yeah. forever. Amen. Um, Amen. So, um, yeah, we really need to keep moving here and talk about perseverance of the saints. Um, sure. I think the logic of Romans 8.32, he did not spare his own son, but uh-huh. graciously gave him up for us all, is really connected to the idea of perseverance of the saints. And um, I just want to ask you, how would you, I know this is a contentious doctrine in some circles, but how would you define the doctrine of perseverance of the saints? Yeah, so we're using that language, and so it's good that we're explaining it. I was talking to one prospective member, um, and they were like, what, what does that word even mean? And so we've got to remember that this is not common language. Perseverance, so let's break it off. Perseverance of the saints. This is typically the, the P in tulip for the mm-hmm. five points of Calvinism. But the P represents this perseverance, meaning that a saint, if he, he or she is truly a saint will persevere till the end yes namely 
they, if they're born again, they will stay born again and they won't lose it. And even though they may have seasons of tremendous doubt and trial, and even seasons that some people use this term like backslide, which can be distracting at times, but I think that that's a true reality for some Christians where they have a season where they, they live as if they're not a Christian. If the Holy Spirit truly has made his home in them, he's going to bring them back and he's going they're going to stay. So, I mean, common passages people will go to is 1 John chapter 2. So this is a, if you have a Bible, check it out. 1 John 2, 19. And 1 John in general is a great book. It's something that I've wondered if we should preach on as the beginning of our church, but, but we can't go there yet. But it really is a great one. It's like, what does it mean to really be born again? Hmm. To know God, to have a relationship a with Him, and First um, John one nineteen says they went out from us, but they were not of us. The context is talking about these antichrists, these certain people who are like mini mini antichrists. Um, they went out from us, but they were not of us. Okay, so they leave the community, but they were actually never part of the community. They were not of us. They're not of us cut from the same cloth. Namely, they're not from the same family. They weren't born again. And it gives us reason. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. Okay. So the, the proof that they were actually of them was that they continued with them. Sure. But they went out that it might become plain that they all are not of us. So... I love that it's persevering to the saints rather than something like once saved, always saved or something like that because it shows that part of salvation is staying till the end. Hmm. That God keeps you to the end. Yes. So what would you say is the distinction then between perseverance to the saints and once saved, always saved? What's the difference between those two concepts? Yeah, someone can mean the same thing, but I guess the language is everything. Okay. See, once saved, always saved... We got to, we the the term saved is is what kind of tense? It's past. Past, right? And yeah. we, we we've talked about this before. Scripture speaks about salvation as past, present, and future. Future, right? And so oftentimes when people talk to someone, ask them their story, they usually go back and say, "Hey, like, when when were you saved?" Or tell me your story, and they can go back in time and talk about a time where God came into their life or a season where they surrendered to Jesus. And although those are important, and I'm actually going to share tonight in my missional community with, with my missional community, you know, I heard this one pastor, Todd Wilson, who pastors in Chicago, and he says that whenever he does interviews for new members, he always says, tell me how God is saving you right now. It's so, so revealing. Sure. How's, show me, tell me about the Holy Spirit, how the Holy Spirit is working in you continually right work out your salvation with fear and trembling for it is god who is both wills and works in you so there's this active reality of the holy spirit continually does stuff and so when we say one saved always saved it constantly it often goes back to those kind of the culture of those who like went to an altar call or filled out a form at a crusade and they prayed a prayer and they were quote unquote saved and then they're right. done hmm. and they're, they're, it has a very final reality but even we though we talked we talked about this last week in ephesians 1 it talks about we were redeemed but then one day we'll, we'll receive redemption so there's a already but not yet reality that we've been saved but we are still being saved and we will one day be saved when jesus comes back and so that once saved always saved kind of often creates this culture of like hey i did my thing i prayed my prayer and i'm good right and i don't need to do anything about that and it often breeds a culture of laziness and sometimes people will just live like the world and it doesn't matter because hey once saved always saved and so that's why some people really push back 
against the doc- this doctrine because they're afraid of kind of um, licentiousness. In other words, a license to just kind of do whatever you want. Because right. I'm saved. I can do whatever I want. No, that's totally abuse of the text and abuse of what the doctrine teaches. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I really think it's confusion of what really shows you were born again. Right. If some people think that saying the sinner's prayer is the only thing that shows you were born again, mm-hmm. then you can live however you want. And that's, that's right. not at all what the Bible teaches. Right. The Bible actually teaches that those who are born again show they're born again by persevering in their belief. That's what perseverance of the saints means, right. that you'll persevere in mm. not denouncing Christ. You'll persevere in not giving into your sin and walking away from Jesus and the church. Right. Um, so I read a quick chapter from Piper's book, The Five Points on Perseverance of the Saints, and he has one sentence that I think is very helpful. Election is unconditional, but glorification is not. So. The fact that God chose you is just him. You didn't choose yourself. God chose you. But the process of you reaching him, the way he wants to do it is through your belief, Mm. through your following him, Mm. through your putting death to sin day by day. Mm. One verse that the Apostle Paul wrote, the Apostle Paul who writes about God's predestining us also writes, in 1 Corinthians 15, 2. Mm. I preach to you the gospel, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you're being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. Mm. So even Paul, who talks about unconditional election so much, is comfortable saying, your faith is only genuine if it perseveres. Otherwise, you're showing that mm. it wasn't genuine in the first place. And I think that once we understand that that's what perseverance is, persevering in faith, mm, mm. then it's um, then we don't get confused and think that, oh, once I save the sinner's prayer, I can go do whatever I want, and it doesn't matter because I'm, I'm already saved. That's right. And, and it's important that you said the word show rather than earn, mm. right? You're yeah. showing a reality that's true, that God is doing and God has done, rather than the, the, the danger is someone could hear this and misunderstand and say, okay, now I have to prove that I'm, I'm good enough. Right. And there is a sense of proving, it depends on how you use that language, prove. Yeah. But it's dangerous because sometimes people can start thinking, okay, am I showing enough? Am I showing enough fruit? Am I proving enough that I'm good and I'm, that God is in me? Right. And, and the answer in my sermon was, the goal is not to perfectly examine every little intention and mo- motive. Like the, the scripture does talk about, you know, testing yourself to see if you're in the faith. So there's a sense that you should test yourself um, did, I, did I quote that passage correctly? Test yep. yourself. Yeah. Yep. Um, but the the reality is the call in Scripture is primarily look. Look to Christ. Are you trusting in Him today? Are you surrendered to Him today? Rather than, hey, remember that time you wrote in your Bible or you remember the, you know, the card that you got? You got saved that one day. Put your hope in that day. No, no, no. You don't put it a hope in that day. You put your hope into today. Amen. Like today, are you trusting Him today? Or, like So maybe you weren't saved then. Who knows? You weren't born again then, but are you today? Like, and, and that's what Scripture calls us to to concern ourselves about, rather than the past or the future or even the far distant past. Am I elect? Am I born again? Or sorry, am I predestined? Yeah. But just concern yourself. Are you trusting Him today? Amen. And if you want Him, you can have Him. And that's a beautiful thing that pushes against some people will talk about hyper Calvinism or some of this other language. Is that if you want Jesus, Scripture says, come and get Him. Amen. 
you can believe him. Which is another reason why we're doing this podcast is because you know we're trying to communicate on a Sunday morning in a way that's accessible for children who are among our midst and unbelievers who may be visiting. And we want to be a church that reaches the, you know those that um, you know those. Uh, how do we say? It? Uh, especially those far from God. Right. And this podcast is a way for us to kind of use more technical language, hopefully explain it clearly and understandably for for you listeners, for us, our members, in a way that we shouldn't do on a Sunday morning as much. Notice I said as much. We still want to train our people on Sundays, but this is just another thing that I thought of why this podcast is helpful so we can speak more freely because this is for Christians, not as much of a mixed audience that we would have on a Sunday. That's good. And yeah, just going off of what you said that the good works aren't earning God's love. They're just showing that you've received his love. Mm-hmm. The groundbreaking revolution, the, the notion that I needed to understand in my own life, in my own walk, was that the same grace that justifies you, it sanctifies you too. Mm-hmm. So, so it's not, so when you were talking about perseverance of the saints, we're not talking about God saving you by his grace and then you living it out on your own strength. That's right. We're talking about you living by the exact same grace that first put you into a relationship with God. That's right. Working out that relationship with God every day. Grace saves and empowers. Amen. Right. Yeah. It's it's the pardon and the power. It's yeah. both. That's good. And um, so so pers- so that's why P is part of the doctrines of grace. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. it is it is just living out the grace day to day that originally put you into a relationship with God. Yeah. And we hope, you know, we're, although we, we hold to th- certain theological positions. We never want to be a church that is associated with those positions as much as we just we want to love Jesus and follow scriptures. And we Amen. just think that some of those doctrines that we mentioned most faithfully express, if understood correctly and expressed correctly, face, faithfully represent what scripture teaches. And we just see in Ephesians 1, it's just, it's unmistakable, at least from that text, that the Holy Spirit seals people in that and he's the guarantee to say that you will be kept. Yes. And that's your confidence, not you. Yes. And um, so that's, um, I just want to make sure that's said. Like, we don't want to be like a Calvinist church. Yeah. Yeah. But a, yeah, in a, that sense. A Jesus following church. Yeah, Jesus following church. A Bible believing yeah. church. Yep. Yeah. And, and as much as Calvinism represents what the Bible teaches, we will hold to that. But I just, I'm leery using that terminology or even quoting Piper in some sense. Not because I'm ashamed, you know, he, he's my homeboy in one, in one sense, <laughs> and we, you know, we both know him, but because we don't want people to unnecessarily associate maybe certain um, caricatures yeah. and impose. That's why we just, we want to be a text-driven church in our sermons. Like, we want it to be centered on what the text says. Yeah, we're not here to advocate for Calvinism. Right. It's not our final purpose. That's right, that's right. Yeah. And so we're just using perseverance of saints as a teaching point because that's we, we see that in the text and we that's just common passage that is um, uh, sorry common doctrine that is debated and concerned and people are confused about. So hopefully that's helpful for you. Great, I think so. Yeah. And now I want to just take a step into a more personal direction. Um, I know this last week or two has been a hard week for a lot of people in our congregation. Mm. Just people um, having a dark night of the soul experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I just want, Sam, I just want to ask you to speak into totally. that issue and how specifically does the doctrine of the perseverance of the saints and the sealing of the spirit address people who are feeling depressed, who are feeling despair, who are feeling cut off from God, Yeah. possibly even questioning, am mm-hmm. I even one of his children? Yeah, that's good. Yeah, it's, it's not been an easy week for our people and 
um, you know, we've had a ton of meetings with our, our people who've been praying and, you know, a passage that really came to mind is First Peter chapter 5. We read it together as a leadership team today during our meeting. And First Peter 1, sorry, First Peter 5 verse 6 and on is just so powerful. It says, humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. He cares for you. And so if there's any moment that you say God does not care, he's not aware, he, he's aware and he cares. How dreadful is it for a God who is all-knowing but yet not all-loving, and yet he is all-knowing and all-loving and all-powerful. In verse 8, be sober-minded, be watchful. Why? Because your adversary, there's an adversary, remember, there's a devil who's real and he's prowling around like a roaring lion. Like imagine just a lion right before he's about to pounce. He's... He's looking for an open door, a, uh, uh, something that is an opportunity. And he's seeking someone to devour. Resist him. Firm in your faith, knowing that the same kind of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. Mm. And just knowing that you're not alone in this. This is the way of the cross, is that we are in hostile territory. And if we're serious about following Jesus and transforming this world through the gospel that we're going to face opposition and you know one thing that i wanted to say with this um before i read verse 10 is that i was discouraged and simultaneously encouraged and i just heard so many people were being attacked my thought is must be doing something right Hmm. you know we're, we're we're getting bigger targets on our back yeah. For what we're trying to do like and what the devil God's took doing. Notice. Yeah, he took notice and he's putting a orchestrated full frontal attack on a lot of our members. And I, I, I got attacked. Joanna and I got in an argument last night and it wasn't great and we're we're reconciled, but we're still reconciling, working through it, and so a lot of people are being attacked. Or even your house. Yeah. The, we you know. physically got yeah, robbed or burglarized. Right. And and I love this verse ten. And after you have suffered a little while the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Yeah. This beautiful idea that after a little while, like just hang on, hang on, persevere, hold on to the Holy Spirit who is holding on to you. Amen. Right? He's, he's the one sealing you. And even though right now you may be under the fire, under the dark night of your soul, hold on. And after a little while, he will restore, confirm, and strengthen and establish you. And so Peter ends with worship. And just remembering Peter's context, he's got evil emperor who is just destroying Christians left and right. Mm-hmm. Very, very bleak times. And yet he's speaking this encouragement far worse than most of our contacts and most of our situations, but yet they're able to have hope because they know that he's the one who cares for them. So the Holy Spirit is active and living and moving in you and sealing you, and yet at the same time, not callous, not stoic, not just watching, not like a deistic God, right? but intimately acquainted with all our ways and cares. Amen. Yeah, and I would just even add on to that, that I'm just so thankful that we worship a God who was crucified for us. Mm. Um, that his death on the cross shows how committed he is to keeping each one of his children. Yeah. If he wasn't that committed to you, he wouldn't have died. Yes, right. Um, 
and we we just we just can't think for one second that he isn't committed to keeping us when life seems hard if he wasn't he wouldn't have perished he wouldn't have died on the cross that's right and so because he did that's how serious he is about making sure that you're happy in his presence forever yeah. and um even the experience of jesus shows that god isn't committed to keeping us out of tough times jesus went through the toughest that's times right. that's right but guess what god never lost jesus mm. and because jesus died and rose he's never going to lose you mm. and so just i just want to encourage you just to meditate on that today um it's so easy to turn our gaze away from jesus and onto ourselves when we get depressed um and and god's saying you're not going to find the hope you need gazing inwardly at your own self you're going to find the hope you need reflecting on the price i paid for you that's right and that's how you know i'm going to keep you and so, um, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I think that goes along with First Peter five really well. Yeah, I mean, the fact is that we are His possession, so He's going to get what He paid for. Amen. He's not going to pay for and walk out the store empty-handed. Right. Paid for us. He purchased us. We are His. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus. Jesus was really was buying us, and and He will have what He paid for. That's right. Yeah. That's okay. good. We had one more thing that I was going to mention from Sunday regarding a little difference between the NIV and the ESV in verse 14. But for the sake of time, and I think on this note, we'll, we'll just defer on that one. Just needless to say, know that this that they both ultimately say the same thing. Hmm. There's a little difference in how they word. The Greek there is a little ambiguous, but ultimately it doesn't change the meaning of any theology. Uh, right. There's plenty of passages that shows that we are God's possession and that um, he is our possession. He is right. our great inheritance. So no matter where you go, the Greek sometimes, just like English, can be a little ambiguous, and interpreters have to make a decision. But just take note, there's no Greek um, term, any, there's no issues in any translation that really changes any fundamental truth right. about who God is, um, any orthodox transition, any main translation. And so... Just, just take hope in that. There, if you see the difference in the ESV and the NIV, and look at me, I'm just getting into it now. <laughs> if you see any difference there, uh, take hope. Uh, you're, you have a great translation. You can yeah. trust it. And, and if, it, if it means that we inherit it, uh, we acquire possession of it, or that God is our possession, um, it, it's the same thing. Both are gloriously true. Both are gloriously true. And confirmed by other verses in the New Testament. Yep, yep. So, so that's always good. good. Great. Well, we've been going for a while now, Sam. Do we have time for one more verse, or should we wrap it up? I think, we're, I think we're done. Okay. So it was a good, strong first episode. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in to What We Couldn't Say on Sunday, and we look forward to seeing you tonight at our MCs. Thanks for tuning in.